appreciate you coming this morning. Coffee will be ready in a couple of minutes. Oh, sounds good. Mm -hmm. Now, I ran a sales report from the area. Wrote down a suggested asking price for the house. Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Now, what did you say your husband did for a living? Um, well, we actually haven't talked about that, but he's a sales rep for Brightwell Pharmaceuticals. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you say you attended church? Well, we occasionally attend Riverdale Community. Mm-hmm. So you would say you know the Lord? Yes, I would say I know the Lord. You think the Lord is okay with this asking price? Mm-hmm. And you have children? Miss Clara, my husband Tony and I have been married for 16 years. We have one daughter, her name is Danielle, and she's 10. She enjoys pop music and ice cream and jumping rope. Oh, well, that, that's good to know. Now, you say you attend church occasionally. Is that because your pastor only preaches occasionally? Miss Clara, I really would like to help you sell your house. That's why I'm here. As far as my faith is concerned, I believe in God, just like most people. He's very important to me. Mm -hmm. Well, let me get our coffee. So if I asked you what your prayer life was like, would you say that it was hot or cold? I don't know that I would say it's hot. I mean, we're like most people. We have full schedules. We work. But I, I would consider myself a spiritual person. I'm not hot, but I'm not cold either. Just, you know, somewhere in the middle. Here you go. I've got cream or sugar if you need oh, it. Oh, no, thank you. I like it black. Miss Clara, you like your coffee room temperature? No, baby, mine's hot. So I am Craig Carson. I am the youth pastor here with my wife, Leah. Uh, we certainly enjoy having youth. We meet on Wednesday nights over there in the room. If you know a youth, if you want to be a youth, or uh, if you want to uh, kidnap a youth, bring them over to Wednesday night over here in our room out the back of the sanctuary. Don't kidnap. That was wrong. I shouldn't have said that. Okay, right there. Um, uh, so that movie is called the War Room movie. Uh, War Room is what it's called. And it's just a funny little clip about everyone needs that kind of person in their life that just encourages them and, and do that. And I bet you're sitting there and you're thinking, great, another sermon about I need to pray more. That's not what this is. Sort of. Okay? Because here's the deal. Right, we're going to continue in our series on Mark, and we're going to stay in Mark. And I got the privilege, Pastor Bob, I came to him a couple of weeks ago, and the, fun, the story goes, I was sitting in that chair right there when he started Mark, and I tried to, um, uh, uh, not try, but I was reading ahead in Mark, I'm still in chapter 1, and I get to a little section of scripture that I normally just blaze right by. And the Lord told me, Craig, pause. Why are you skipping right by it? 
And so on an occasion, because Pastor Bob preaches so much and he does so much work for this church, he always offers for someone to step in and he gives me the option to do a one-off message or continue with the series that he's doing. So I know the Lord was speaking to me that day and he said, Craig, you need to uh, do this message. So it just happened, coincidence, I think not. thank you, that... We were in this section of scripture right at the right time, and I told Pastor Bob that I think the Lord is really telling me that we need to have this conversation about this. So let's go. Turn in your Bible. We're going to continue in the book of Mark. Okay, it's Mark chapter 1, verses 35 through 39. So if you have a Bible, if you have your electronics device, go to the Bible app, and then you can find Mark pretty quickly, or... It's right behind me on the screen. Mark 1, 35 through 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to, a nearby, to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. So when I get to this section of scripture, I find it very fascinating that these couple of verses are sandwiched in between some really cool things that are happening. And if you remember the passages that Pastor Bob preached on. If you don't, I would encourage you to go listen to them online. They're all out there where he talks about all this. But let me just run down of what's going on in this section of scripture. Because right before this, Jesus healed or drove out a demon out of somebody in the synagogue. And then he goes to Simon's house and he heals Simon's mother-in-law. And then the Bible says, Pastor Bob preached on it last week, that the town, they brought the whole town to Jesus. And Jesus spent who knows how long healing all of them, most of them, some of them, I don't know. It just says they brought the whole town and Jesus was busy healing. Then it has this little couple of strips, verses that says, oh, and by the way, Jesus got up early and then he went off and he prayed. And then right after this, he picks up the same old thing where a person with leprosy comes and Jesus heals him. And Pastor Bob will get to that next week, which is really cool. But I just found it fascinating that this section, normally when I read this section of scripture, this also account is in Luke also, if you want to follow it in the other gospel, in Luke, the same story is in there, right? But oftentimes I blaze right by it. Because the healings happen in the front, right? And then, oh, yes, I know, Jesus goes out and pray. I should go out, I should get up early, and I should go pray, yes. And then I move on. And then he goes and prays again for somebody with leprosy, and he heals them. But all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit grabs my attention in that chair right there and says, stop, pause, let me speak to you on what these verses, or at least are saying to me. 
And as I say all the time, and I really, my prayer is, I'm, I'm not up here thinking that, or I don't want you thinking that I'm up here, that I know everything and I have it all together. I'm not. I really should be preaching with a full-length mirror in front of me because so, I'm can preaching at me also. And I want us to hear this message together. But the Lord really spoke to me as I was sitting there on some very cool things that are in this section of Scripture. So God told me to pause and take a minute and really think about what's going on in this section. One of the things that God wanted to remind me of was the fact, and this might be a little weird, it's not explicitly in the text that we're talking about this morning, but one of the things that God reminded me and wanted to make me be fully aware of is that Jesus was fully human in this case. Jesus was fully human. So as I was sitting in that chair, God was talking to me while Pastor Bob was talking and everything was going on. And God brought a a very small clip of The Chosen to my brain. Now, The Chosen is a video series. If you don't know anything about The Chosen, it's a video series where this guy is is creating a... uh, um, a life event of Jesus, like a day in the life of Jesus throughout his ministry time. Really great series. And our church is doing a Bible study or a, I don't even know what it's called. It's not a, Bible, a small group maybe um, uh, on The Chosen. If you're interested in that, I'm sure there's some flyers out there on the door and you can get involved in that. But Leah and I saw this specific episode at least six to eight months ago. But as I was sitting in this chair right here two weeks ago, God placed this one specific scene in this one episode in me. Check out this video. I'll never forgive it. All right. You said what you needed to say. Sit down, Simon. You sit down first. What a great little scene. So when Lee and I saw this episode uh, so many months ago, it actually wasn't our favorite episode. We left thinking, well, that that was just okay. But then all of a sudden, I'm sitting in this chair, and all of a sudden, it hit me. The Lord struck me that Jesus was fully human. He understood, he knows that. That scene is a scene where Jesus spends an entire night healing people. And all of a sudden it became, it washed over me the fact that that Jesus felt the same things that I feel. Tired. Busy. 
people need something from me all the time. Because oftentimes when I think about this, until I paused and started thinking about it, maybe I'm not the only one or maybe I am, I don't know. But oftentimes I label Jesus as the superhuman because he's God. And so I say, yes, I agree, God came in the flesh. But I label him the superhuman while he's got special powers because he's God. So he doesn't really suffer from the same things. Suffer might not be the best word. He doesn't really experience, is a better word, the same things that I experience. But then all of a sudden, God shared with me or maybe illuminated in my mind and in my heart how fully human God is. So turn in your Bible, if you have it, to John 1.14. It says that the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. I don't know how many times I've read that section of scripture and it just never really sunk in the truly human part of Jesus. Why is that important? Because then when you get to a section like Hebrews chapter 4, turn over to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It says this, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet was without sin. That section of scripture really became alive to me with the idea of knowing that Jesus was fully human. Struggled with all of the things, struggled, experienced all of the things that I experienced, being busy, being tired. Because oftentimes I read this verse and I tied it to either being tempted or things like that. But it's so much more than that. It's all the emotions, all the feelings, all of the things that we have. Jesus had the same thing, experienced the same stuff. drew me to Jesus. Because when I watch a scene like Jesus being tired, walking back, by the way, that's kind of a funny little episode because the disciples were all like just being really petty at the fire. And they were just sort of arguing with each other, okay, which was hilarious because you don't think that things like that happen as you read the Bible just straight through. But I'm wondering if if that's really what truly happens because we're human, and that's how we operate, right? But then Jesus walks by, he's super tired, and then everything switches. Their whole mindset switches. Their pettiness sort of disappears. Well, this is all well and good, and then we could probably talk about the humanness of Jesus and all of that for a long time, but that's not even the most important thing that I want to share with you today. That's not why I... I wanted to preach today on this specific section of Scripture. My goal today is that you leave this place motivated or inspired to spend more time with Jesus. I want you to go from a I need to attitude, because all of us, I'm, I'm pretty sure all of us in this room can say, I need to spend more time with Jesus. I mean, unless you're Moses and you're walking on Mount Sinai every day, which none of us are. My kids think I'm as old as Moses, but that's it. That's where it, the analogy ends. But unless you're him, I think a lot of us, most of us, maybe all of us would say, I need to spend more time with Jesus 
I want to move from that to I want to. Because I think if, you're, if your thought changes and if you'd go from a need or a I have to to a want to, because desire drives behavior. That's the goal. So I want you to sit back and I want you to let the Holy Spirit talk to you this morning. And by the way, I'm a youth pastor. I need to know that you're alive out there. Right? Thank you. If you yell an amen, or if you want to yell, what are you talking about? Or if you want to, like, I have to go to the bathroom, raise your hand. You know, just like youth, that's fine. Um, I need to know that you're alive out there, okay? So, so yeah, thank you. There it is. Right? So you're all now in high school. <laughs> that's great. So let's talk about this. So Mark 1, 35. We read it earlier, it says, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went off to a solitary place where he... Do you want to try it? Yes or no? Uh, sure. I'll do it. Okay. Pause. Hey, watch this. This ought to be great. This ought to be. Can you drop in one sermon? Okay. Ooh, look at there. Magic. Oh, see, we'll see if my thumb goes crazy over here. All right. Hey, let's break it down. So Mark 1.35, it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, went to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, I'm sure we can spend a lot of time in all of this, and it says, in the morning, morning, very early in the morning. Now, don't check out on me, please, people. The, you're like, there's no way on the planet that I'm getting up early. But if you read the text, it says, very early morning, Jesus got up somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Mind you, this was after he spent all night healing people. So for you and me, that'd be like going to church on a Saturday night in a healing service, spending church, and from like 6 o'clock to 10 or 12, who knows how long it goes, and then you get up at 3 a.m. and you're going to go out and pray. Anybody? <laughs> no way. There's no way on the planet that's going to happen. But that's what it says. He departed. He left. He went and, and went aside to someplace else, solitary, desolate, wilderness, without distractions. He prayed, which means supplicates, worships is that word. It's also a component of that word. And earnestly, with some kind of energy or something like that. Just as a side note, it's always fascinating to me as you process scripture and as you look at it. Do you ever wonder what Jesus prayed for? Me Me too. Right? I'm, who, I'm not sure who said that, but I did. Right? I wonder. Right? So, so maybe Jesus goes to God and says, God, are you sure these are the guys you want? They're a bunch of fishermen. First of all, they stink. And secondly, I, man, I don't know if their heart's right. I don't know if they, if, I don't know. Or maybe he's like, maybe he's like when Moses had a conversation with God. Do you remember this? Back, way back in the Old Testament, when he had a conversation, um, 
Caleb was part of the, one of the spies that goes into the promised land. And when they come back, most of the spies, all but two, said that we can't go into the promised land. But Caleb is the only one that said, yes, we ought to go. Well, then God gets really mad at all the Israelites, and he's ready to wipe them out. So Moses has this conversation with God and can and really, for all intents and purposes, change God's mind, if that's possible. And that, there's probably some doctrinal issue with that right there. But he changed God's mind, is what Scripture says, and then the rest of the story you can read. So I don't know, it's just fascinating to me what Jesus prayed when he went off. It doesn't really say... And we can sit there and we can talk about all the importance of getting up early, starting your day off right with God. We can talk about being apart or alone, we can, um, being dis, uh, not distracted. We can talk all about that because all of those things are important, but that's not what I'm trying to get to. I want to know why. What the question that was brought to my mind is why did Jesus get up early Go to a place and pray. And I think if we can answer that question for ourselves, I think we go from I need to pray to I want to pray. And let me change the word altogether because this isn't about prayer at all. I want you to go from I want or I need to be in the presence of God to I want to be in the presence of God. So I think God shared with me some insight that I hope is helpful for you. And it might encourage you to pray or to be in the presence of God. Hmm. So turn over to John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. John chapter 1, 1 and 2. It's behind me, I believe. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. So as I pondered the verse about why Jesus went off by himself, the Lord brought this verse to my mind. Because it says very clearly that the Word was with God in the beginning. Ready? Maybe this is, I'm the only one who blew my socks off, and that's why I wear flip-flops all the time. But maybe God was saying that Jesus was already in the presence of God. He knew what the presence of God was like. He came from the presence of God. So he knew what it was like, and he longed to be back in it. And maybe that's why he tried to squirrel as much time as he could in the midst of his ministry on earth to be back in the presence of God. Because he left the presence. He knew what it was like. Way back at the beginning. So John 3.16, right? Maybe one of the best verses shows up at every sporting event ever in the back behind home plate or in some field somewhere, right? The guy with the afro, remember him? Um, he, it says, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Here's where it matters to you and to me to be in the presence of God. 
Because if you remember Jesus, Jesus was with God in the beginning. That's what it says in John 1. But then God sent him. Jesus willingly left the presence of God for you and me. That's cool. That should have got an amen. It's a little late, George. Come on. Drink some coffee. That's really great. But I think it gets better than just that. You see, I think originally mankind was created in the presence of God. Do you remember the story? Genesis 1, 2, and 3, right? God created the heavens and the earth, and then he created man and woman, and he placed man and woman in the garden, right? Well, then there's the whole tree gate happened, right? And we get kicked out of the garden. <laughs> Yeah, tree gate. That was the first news flash of the century right there. Okay, tree gate. Right? But there's a verse in Genesis that just really struck out me all of a sudden. Right? I need you to go to Genesis chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. Right? So this is after Adam and Eve eat the fruit of the tree that they weren't supposed to. And then this verse happens. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from him, hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Now, oftentimes I read that verse of scripture, and I'm always thinking about the negative, right? They sinned, and then they're going to get kicked out of the garden. But let me flip it for you in a minute because the assumption is made that prior to this, they walked with God in the garden. That's cool. That's how man was created. They heard the sound of the Lord. That just means that they were there together. And then sin messed it up, as it always does. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God in Romans 3. And then it says in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. So right after that, the tree gate happened, there was consequences. So then there was a barrier set between you and God, between me and God, between all of man and God. So we were originally created, not you and I, but Adam and Eve were originally created to be in communion with God. Just like Jesus. It says in John 1. So then we get all the way to the end, right? Not the end, but the whole point of the salvation story is the redemption of that, of us. God didn't want us to leave us in a place of separation, so he sent Jesus, his son, we already read it in John 3, he sent Jesus on our behalf to die on the cross for us so that that relationship can be restored. And then it leads me to one of my favorite go-to passages of all of Scripture when I'm preaching. And it's really significant, which is Matthew 27, 51. So let me set the scene for you in Matthew 27, 51. So this is after Jesus was arrested. This is after Jesus was nailed to a cross. And he's on the cross. And this is the moment Jesus breathes his last breath. This verse happens really significant 
in what we're talking about today. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. One verse. One verse that has really significant meaning, at least to me. Because if you don't understand or if you don't know what that temple is or what that temple or that curtain in the temple represents, then we miss really what's going on. So in the Old Testament, it talks about the temple and it talks about how it was built. And right in the middle of the temple was what was called the Holy of Holies. And that Holy of Holies was barricaded, if you will, or blocked off by this huge curtain, really tall, really thick curtain. And once a year, because God set up a sacrificial system for our sins, only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies to offer sacrifices for all of Israel. Matter of fact, they tied a rope around the high priest's ankle in case he died in the Holy of Holies so they could pull him out. Because it was said, and it was true, that that's where the presence of God is. That's the temple, that's the, the, that's the curtain that we're talking about in Matthew. When Jesus died, that curtain was tore from top to bottom. That's great news. Because you remember that Hebrews verse we talked about where we're able to, Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses? Well, that's sandwiched right in between a couple of verses that are really important. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest, high priest, the only one that can go into the temple, but Jesus was the last best high priest for us. We getting there? We're good? Okay, I don't know where I'm at anymore. Unable to sympathize. Um, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's a couple of things in that verses that really struck out to me. Not only can Jesus sympathize with all of me, but it says, because of Jesus, I can approach the throne with confidence. I don't have to be afraid. I can go to be in the presence of God with confidence. Notice, it also says the throne of grace. Because oftentimes, I know me, that I am afraid to go to God because I feel like there's judgment. It's not a throne of judgment. It's a throne of grace. Man, I hope you're understanding my heart because this is about, I want you to feel like I want to be in the presence of God. Not I need to. So on Wednesday night in youth group, we've been talking to the kids about their identity in Christ. And I believe, I, I'm just convinced that the more you understand your identity in Christ, who you are because of what Christ has done for you, the more you're going to want to be like Christ. And the more it will drive what you do. 
So we've been talking a lot about the identity, and just one that I think really applies in this case is the fact that as a Christian, you're adopted. You're adopted into God's family. Romans 8.15 says this. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Romans 8.15, if you haven't, have it, and if you're following along. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received a spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Such a great little verse. Romans 8 is, is my favorite chapter of the whole in, entire Bible, right? But this one little section of scripture is really great. Because as a Christian, it says that we received a spirit of sonship. That means we're adopted by God. That means that we are an heir of God. That means that we have all of the rights as one of God's children. But more than that, whereby we can cry, Abba, Father. That is a very intimate, personal term addressing God as Daddy. That's cool. That should want us to go to God. There are very few things in my life. I'm a father of two boys. They are now 22 and 19, almost 20. And one of, there are very few things on the planet that bring me more joy than spending time with my kids. Whatever that is. It could be fixing Cameron's pedal board a hundred times or rearranging it or, or going to Guitar Center. It could be doing a project in the garage, building a Halloween costume or going to Home Depot, which happens to be my favorite store, but now it's my son's favorite store, so win-win. Whoop. <laughs> but there's nothing better than spending time with my kids. Let me tell you a funny little story. This week it happened. Right? So my, one of my new hobbies is Frisbee golf. Right? And I got my son into Frisbee golf also. Okay? And so it's really great. There's a really great course in Highlands Ranch, and I play a lot. Right? So this one week, I think it was Thursday. I'm not sure the day. And I played in the morning, and then I had a chance to play again in the afternoon. So I said, I did. And I called my son. I'm not going to name him, but he's sitting right in the back. Right? Because the other one is outside. Right? Um... Uh, and I called him, I say, Zach, you want to go play? Oh, I just named him. Ha! Zach, do you want to go play Frisbee golf? And he said, no. Crushed me. I didn't crush me. I only said that because he's sitting there, and I don't want him to feel bad. Or maybe I do. I don't know. But, but I really wanted him to play because I wanted to spend time with him. Here's my question for you. Maybe God the Father is saying just what he said to Adam and Eve, where are you? And he wants, I'm, I'm pretty sure, so let's talk about God, the Father God. You know that God that we sing about, good, good Father, that song, that God, the God that's, that we sing about that leaves the 99 and goes after the one, that same God that forgives all of our sin as far as the east is from the west. How much more than me being an earthly father that is this fallible, not perfect, where a God that is perfect wants to spend time with us? 
I want, I, want, I want what the psalmist wrote in Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, 1 and 2, it says this. As the deer pants for water, so for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go? Not where. When can I go to meet with God? A sense of anticipation of meeting with God, a sense of when's the next time? When can I go next? My soul thirsts for God. That's my prayer for me. I hope it's a prayer that you have also. It goes from I want to be with God. It also says in Psalm 27, 4, David writes, One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life that I may dwell in the house of the Lord, that I might be in the presence of the Lord as much as I can. Psalm 61.4 says, I long to dwell in your tent forever. David was labeled the man after God's own heart. And that's where I want to be. I'm not there. I'm not even close. But I want the desire to be with God, the greatest desire that I have. But let's go back because I think it's really interesting what's going on in our story. Remember all of that. We just talked about one verse. We're going to be here until three this afternoon. But, no, I'm kidding. We're, let's talk, go back to Mark. And so remember, very early in the morning, Jesus left to pray. So then what's the next verse in there? It talks about that Simon and his companions were looking for him and, and said, everyone was looking for you. Everyone was looking for you. So here's a thought. Remember, right before all of this, the last night, last night, Jesus was doing all of these miracles, all of these healings, all of this good stuff. And then he goes off by himself to pray. And then a bunch of people are out looking for Jesus. I'm wondering if they're looking for Jesus for what they can get from Jesus. The healing, the miracle. I'm wondering if not really looking for Jesus for the Savior, Jesus. I'm often, me, I struggle all the time with chasing the miracle, but not chasing the miracle maker. And I think it's evident on Jesus' response. Because Jesus' response to that whole scene, everyone is looking for you, and Jesus responds with this. Let us go to someplace else so that I can preach. This is why I came. The account in Luke says, let me go and preach the good news. This is why I came. See, I think, and Pastor Bob's been doing great. I totally, man, there's a lot that I'm getting from your messages, but one thing in particular, how can you talk in the mic when it's way over here? There's one thing, this is why I don't have a handheld. This is so hard right now, okay? My glasses keep falling. No, it would have to be weird even more. I don't even know what I was saying now. It'll come back to me. Yeah, thank you. I do now. I remember. Great. Perfect. Remember that. Remember that when my reviews this week. Okay. Uh, um, 
so one of the things that Pastor Bob is uh, mentioning all along is the miracle should drive you to the Savior, to Jesus, the person of Jesus, the healing, the miracle, all of that. That's all good. And I think the power of God is live and real. We heard a bunch of testimonies last week about how it's happening. That's really awesome. But what's even more awesome is that you're saved. Oh, matter of fact, I didn't even say this last service, but not very quickly, I'm so sorry, I'm two minutes over, okay? That um, there's an account in one of the Gospels where Jesus sends out the disciples, and they're all excited because they heal a bunch of people, right? They come back, and they're all excited. They report to Jesus that says, wow, even the demons listen to us. Jesus goes, that's awesome, but you should be happy that your name is written in the book of life. Yeah. Wow. See, the miracles were secondary to the message of Jesus. The miracles are secondary to God so loved you that he sent his son for you to die on the cross in your place so that you can have everlasting life. That alone should drive you to want to be in the presence of God. I'm all sideways now. See, I want to be thirsty for God. That's my prayer. I'll close with this, right? Worship team, you can start heading up, okay? It says in John 7, 37, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Whoever is thirsty, let him come and drink. Well, we're all thirsty. We all are. I think it's just really just great that they use the language in the Bible as something that we can really relate to. Because oftentimes when it talks about things, it's things that, that, that I can relate to and I think all of us can relate to is thirst. We all are thirsty at some point. We need water. Our bodies need water. We're built of mostly of water, and our bodies need it. So oftentimes, when we are pressed with a choice, we choose water. But most of the time, thanks, babe, most of the time, I'm wondering if we don't. I'm wondering if we choose to substitute. So when we get up in the morning, we can have a choice, right? We have a choice. What I'm here to tell you is, is our desire drives our choice. Our desire drives the decision we'll make. And oftentimes in our spiritual life, we pick substitutes that don't quench the thirst. They might temporarily, but they don't. So then in the previous service, I, I pulled something. I just grabbed stuff out of my refrigerator at home, and I pulled this out, and I don't even know what it is, and Leah goes, it's water-ish. And I say, you have no idea 
the spiritual content of what you just said. Because a lot of us are water-ish in the presence of God. Man, I just want to encourage you. Your desire drives your behavior. Just like drinking water in your body, it's easy to forget. And do you realize in your body that your body will, you can train your taste buds to no longer want water. And I'm wondering if we do the same thing spiritually. So now we're going to take communion, right? And I just love communion. I love the fact that our church does communion every week. But I say time and time again that if you're just taking communion to go through the motions, you should just not. You should take communion because it's meant to do something that God intended it to do, which is whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross for you. His body was nailed to a cross. His blood was shed for the forgiveness of your sin. I'm not going to make any assumption in this room right now that if you have never made that profession, maybe this morning's the time. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do anything unless you really want to. Because here's what I know. If the Lord is working on your heart, the Lord's working on your heart. You're going to feel a tug in your heart that says, I need to make that decision. And if you need to make that decision, I personally want to talk to you. Come find me. I will pray with you. Because that's the most important thing. So as you take communion for, for, for all of us, it's a great time to just come and have a moment with God. So as the Bible says, these elements have new meaning, right? The, the bread represents the body, the, the wine or the juice, which is at the crosses. Pastor Bob and Pastor Gabe will be serving you communion up here if you want. But it has new meaning. It means whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Remembrance of me is what Jesus did for you. It's a great time to connect with God. Just like my kids coming to me, sure, there might be some confession, there might be some crying, there might be some, oops, I messed up. There might be all that kind of stuff, right? But Jesus wants you to come to him. He wants you to take a moment and reflect on what he did for you. Because I think the more that we reflect on what he did for you, the more it drives us to be more in his presence. And that's the goal. That's the goal. Let's pray. Jesus, I just thank you. I thank you that, that you came down. You suffered on the cross for me so that I can have a relationship with you. Lord, and I just want to praise you for that. 
So, Father, my prayer for me, for all of us, Father, that, that as that sinks in, that our desire to be in your presence is more and more and more. So, Father, I just give you thanks this morning. Thank you for the privilege and the honor of sharing what you put on my heart. So, Father, we give you this time. We just want to praise the name of Jesus. Amen.